Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors on staff at the Ridge, and our vision is to bring the hope of Jesus into every home. So as a piece of that, our goal each week is to bring you something that's hopeful and helpful. So subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any hopeful and helpful conversations. Hey, everyone. I got the chance this week to sit down with Dave Dodge. Dave is one of the kindest, most genuine men I've ever met. He spent the bulk of his life working in the used car industry before eventually becoming the care pastor at The Ridge. I'll let him explain a little bit more about that, but I asked him if he would share some of his experience being with people amidst their tragedy, like Dave usually does. He said yes, and this is our conversation. Well, hey Dave, uh, thanks for joining me today for a little conversation. Um, curious if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you do here at The Ridge. Hmm. Well, I'm married to my wife, Terry. Um, between the two of us, we have uh, three sons and two daughters. Um, we have five grandchildren. Um, and I started coming to the Ridge when it was back at the Ridge Theaters. And um, uh, I retired in 2012. And I am uh, blessed enough to be one of the pastors on staff here at the Ridge Community Church. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you went through this kind of crazy journey. You went through used car salesman, right? Used car salesman. Yeah, to pastor. And now... <laughs> And now podcast guest. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. All right. Yep. What, what was that journey like? Uh, which journey was that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was quite a journey. Um, I mean, my car career lasted 36 years. And um, it was a good career for me. You know, I actually only sold cars for about seven of those years. And um, um, and it, it afforded me... Um, uh, a, a nice place to bring my kids up and, and good schools and, um, you know, um, all the trappings that come with, you know, being okay in your, in your position. And, um, you know, and I got a chance to retire, you know, when, yeah. when retirement age came along. And uh, I remembered how important that was because my father never lived long enough to retire. So I remember always saying to myself, if I can do that, man, when retirement comes, I'm going to jump on that. So at 63, I retire. And what's retirement like? Retirement is wonderful. I love retirement. <laughs> it, it is absolutely the best. Yeah. You get to do whatever it is you want to do when you want to do it. Yeah. And retiring for you looked like not fully retiring because you're uh, on staff here at the Ridge, right? So, yeah. yeah now you get a chance to uh, be our care pastor. Which, what is that? What all does that entail? So, what do you do on maybe a day to day? You know, on day to days, I uh, talk to a lot of people. Um, their prayer requests come into the church, and uh, so. I look them up and call them and um, discuss what it is they want to pray about, and um, and then we pray about that. And um, you know, I do a lot of reading, which is something I never did in my life. <laughs> I, I never liked reading, but I do a lot of reading nowadays. And um, you know, I get a chance to uh, meet a lot of people. I greet everybody that comes into church on Sundays, and. Um, um, so I get, that's my favorite thing to do, actually. I get to talk with them and, and um, socialize with them. And a lot of them will come up to me and request some prayer, you know, yeah. uh, something going on in their life. And, uh, you know, I retired, but this is not a job. This is something I love doing. Yeah. 
And, and part of your role, I know you have to, and get to, I guess is probably a better way to say it, um, you get the chance to meet people through a lot of tragedy. I do. Yeah. Yes. Um, what, uh, what do you do to prepare for that? What do you do to prepare and to comfort and be with people as they go through tragedy? Well, the first thing I do, John, is pray. Yeah. And I, I mean, and I do that. I really, I really do that a lot because um, it's hard to, pre- it's hard to know what to do in a tragedy for people that are going through a tragedy, and for someone who's helping someone through a tragedy. Um, I haven't been through those tragedies. I can't imagine what they're going through in those tragedies. And sometimes I don't know what to say in those tragedies, but I know that God is always going to help me. So really, before I start any conversation, any phone call, any meeting or greeting with these people, I always pray to God first that he will be with me and give me the words to say. And, and if I know what tragedy they've had, um, I have a lot of resources that I've gone through and that are available to me that I can do a little bit of research before I talk to them and kind of know what direction to put them through if that's the case. How important is it to research maybe some best practices or things on a specific type of tragedy? It's very important, yeah, it's very important. And one of the things that, um, uh, that is a part of my job is I get to see a lot of different tragedies that you're just never uh, confronted with in your life. And to know how to deal with every one of those, I don't know how to deal with every one of those, you know, and I don't have all the answers. And I found out that it's okay not to have all the answers. Um, But uh, having the resources to be able to lead them to different places that can help them in their tragedy is kind of what I do. What or maybe some of the things that uh, you've learned as you've gone, kind of gone along this journey in terms of how to be there for someone going through something like that? Well, um, I've learned that whether you're meeting them in person, um, which hasn't happened a lot with, you know, in the last yeah. 15 months with COVID going on, but um, whether you're meeting them in person or whether you're meeting them on a, uh, a Zoom call or on a phone call, um, just taking the time to talk with them, taking the time to listen to what is going on in their life and to assure them that God is with them in their life during this tragedy and letting them know that, um, that I can be with them at any time that they need me um, and prayer with them are, are just the essentials for them in their tragedy. Um, Building on that, what do you think, because you, you mentioned that just listening, and what do you think has been the biggest comfort that you're able to bring them? Um, yeah. I think the biggest comfort is praying with them, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, John. Yeah. And, and, and just being there, holding their hand, listening to what's going on in their life. Some of their tragedies are pretty difficult, and... Um, and nobody is prepared for a tragedy. A tragedy is something that is unexpected, just enormous in their life and just pops up and, and they're in shock yeah. and they don't know how to deal with it. Um, and it's a time when they really need some help. Um, 
a lot of times relatives and friends will reach out to them right away and comfort them immediately. But what happens is, is that a week or two weeks later, you know, their lives are continuing and they don't call back as much and they don't know really what to say, I think is the reason why they don't do it. And therefore the person who has suffered this traumatic tragedy is also now kind of left alone. So um, it's important for me to remember to continue to go back and touch base with them and walk with them during their tragedy. So if someone has a loved one uh, that's gone through something like this, um, what I'm hearing you say is it's great to reach out right away, mm-hmm. but maybe also set a reminder in your phone, do mm-hmm. something. I'm going to make this touch point in, I don't know, what, what time frame would you recommend? It depends on the tragedy, honestly, John. Um, but I would say for the most part, it's probably three, four days, every three or four days to get in touch with them at least once a week. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it really depends, you know, on, on how they're dealing with their tragedy yeah. and what kind of tragedy it is. Um, you know, sometimes um, uh, a person gets, um, goes to the doctor and gets those bad words. He says, you got cancer. Yeah. Something nobody ever wants to hear. And how do you deal with that? And everybody that hears those words immediately thinks that life's over. It's a death sentence. And they are crushed and, and stunned and shocked. And they don't know what to do. So uh, being with them at that time is really important. But touch base with them in another three or four days is also really important because they could have some new news that makes it not so bad anymore. Yeah. You know, and they could have talked to others that have been in the same boat that they're in, the same position. And it's, it gives them a little bit more hope, you know. And um, so the tragedy has lessened a little bit in time. But it's also something that you need to stay in touch with them about. So as, as you're staying in touch with someone, you're connecting with them, are there things that are, well, let's put it frankly, are there things you want to avoid saying? Yeah. Yes. That's probably good. Yeah. I've said those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's great experience. What, what have you learned has been not helpful to say? I remember the first time, and this probably isn't a tragedy, John, but the first time I made it, the very first visit I made to an elderly man in an, in an old folks home. Yeah. And I was scared to death to go in and talk to this guy. Yeah. Um, I'd never done anything like that in my life. I sat out in the parking lot for probably a half hour before I got enough nerve to go in the door, and I prayed probably three times. So finally I went in and uh, asked for him. And they said that he wasn't there today. (laughs) (laughs) So now I'm going, oh, great. So I come back tomorrow, right, the next day. And and I go in, and they said, well, he's not in his room right now. He's taking a walk, but he'll be back any minute. I said, okay, I'll sit right over there. (laughs) So finally I go in and chat with him. He's a wonderful guy about mm, mid-'80s. Yeah. Um, and, and the facility that it was in was gorgeous. I mean, it was just a beautiful facility. Yeah. So in our conversation, I said, wow, this is a really great place you got. He says, it's a prison. 
(laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I learned something right then and there. Because it wasn't by his choice that he's there. Yeah. You know. Um, So I don't care if it's the Taj Mahal. It's really not a great place for him. (laughs) You know. Um, You know, I've learned that, uh, for instance, when you're talking to... um, someone who has cancer okay yeah. it's not a good thing to start out your conversation with how you doing today because there isn't a good day for them yeah however if you start out your conversation with how are you feeling not how are you doing is, yeah. is what i was saying but how are you doing today actually is the way to say it mm. because how are you feeling is not a good thing but how are you feeling today is specific to today. Mm. And it could be a lot different than yesterday. Yeah. Um, so just being careful about how you're wording things, I think, is it, it gives you a, a, a good reference for not doing it again or for doing it again. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of what you're hoping to do is to bring some hope to them. Absolutely. So what, you mentioned prayer. Um, are there things that you can say? Um, you mentioned that, that sometimes it's hard to find the right words. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, have, in your experience, does bring some hope? Uh, praying, yeah. reading uh, the Bible, Scripture brings some hope. You know, letting them know that uh, God is the God of hope yeah. and the God of love, and He's here and said He would be here with you during this. And just reassuring and spending that really good quality God time with them. And that really gives them, really gives them the most hope. I wonder, and maybe you haven't had this experience, but my guess is you have. What do you do? What if someone, they don't follow Jesus, they don't believe in God, and you're trying to give them that hope? What is their typical response if you're trying to pray for them or something like that? You know what? I haven't had a negative response from anybody on that. Really? I have not. And um, I guess I'm surprised about that myself, you know, but I haven't. Um, I guess I just go in assuming that uh, they know who God is. And if they don't, they tell me. Yeah. You know, I mean, in our conversation, you know, I ask them, how are you feeling today? You know, and how's your faith today? You know, I mean, I want to know how their health is in their faith as well as their physical health. Yeah. And, you know, you only get that by asking them, you know. And I haven't ever had anybody tell me don't pray for them, Mm. you know. And I've had many people thank me for it afterwards that weren't believers in God. Yeah. And yet that's, that's powerful. It is powerful, and, and it's, uh, it's the reason why I pray to God every single time before I, before I do this, because, because I can't do that, yeah. but I know that God can do that. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just the guy saying his words. Yeah. You know, he's the one controlling it all. Mm. Uh, so now I'm positive that you have seen God show up in some cool ways as you've done this. Oh, my gosh. Would you talk us through a couple of those? Wow. Boy, you know, John, I, uh, it, it always seems to amaze me when I'm going to talk to somebody on the phone who is in a traumatic situation, and I dread making the call. Yeah. 
um, and I pray to God uh, on what to say and, and help me handle this phone call and help me to bring your hope, God, and your light to them. And then I get done with this conversation and somehow my cup got filled beyond overflowing from that conversation with them. And I keep saying, you know, I'm here to talk to them and to, and to make them feel better. And I feel like the blessed guy here, you know. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I feel guilty about that. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, God does show up on both sides of that call. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had a lady that I was talking to uh, two weeks ago who is, is a cancer patient. And she had uh, really devastating news on, on the cancer front. Um, and we prayed, and we prayed for days. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, she was in uh, a stage, I guess, that the doctors didn't get. They didn't really understand what had happened in her her transformation from as bad as they thought it was to as not nearly nearly as bad as they thought it was. Yeah. And um, uh, you know, I would I guarantee you she believes that God showed up. You know, and yeah. so do I. You know. Yeah. Um. He just shows up all the time, John. Mm. He just does. Yeah. That's why we That's why we call on him. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun to be able to talk to you about how uh, easy and natural it has become to just go to God with prayer, to just say, hey, Jesus, I need some help here. Yeah. What, I know this is a little bit off the, the tragedy yeah. topic, but what, um, and I also know just knowing from your story that that was not always the case for you. Oh, no, no. <laughs> what, um, what got you to a place in slash what, how have you developed the ability to just, you know, I'm going to talk to God here. Yeah. You know, I guess because um, when I was asked if I ever thought about becoming a pastor a after I picked myself up off the floor in shock and awe. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I said, uh, I said, I said to him, I said, do you, do you know who I am? You know? <laughs> and he said, well, I do know who you are. Yeah. And he says, but I don't know who you were, but I know who you are. So I went home and thought about that for five weeks before I committed to, to saying, yeah, I think I could be, a, I could do that and go into the training. Yeah. It took me five weeks of, and I prayed a lot during that five weeks. But when I really came to the realization that God really is asking me to do this, yeah. this is really uh, something that I'm not asking. This is something that is so far in left field for me, I just can't believe that that would happen to me. Yeah. That I can't believe that God tapped me on the shoulder and said, can you do this? Well, who am I to say no to God? Yeah. And, and honestly, uh, he has been such a strong presence in my life. Um, you know, John, I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, a, it, it's, it, it, it's all up to him. I don't even know when I get done with my prayers, I can't even tell you what I said. I don't even know. Yeah. 
I, I hope they're. I hope they're. They don't hurt anybody. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I don't really remember what I'm saying. Well, no, I think a big portion of what you're saying, at least of how I'm hearing it, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but you, you're coming into that conversation in this place of humility. Honestly, you're saying, you know what, God, I, I need you to do something here, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust that you're gonna do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that for me personally, the temptation is, well, I think I can rely on my own strength in this situation and then it yeah. what do you know it turns out that you know it wasn't quite adequate yeah <laughs> um but i think just hearing from your story that there's a lot there of and sort of something i really appreciate about you dave is this humility of i'm gonna trust and i'm gonna rely because i know i can't do it on my own absolutely um yeah and i made that pact with god you know, before yeah. I said yes, I said, listen, <laughs> you got to be right here. And I mean, right here for me to say yes to this. And That's you know what? Awesome. He's always been right there. Yeah. He's never let me down, ever. And um, um, and I want everybody to know him. Yeah. You know. If we can, uh, we can circle back on the, the tragedy idea. Just, I think, one last question for you would just be, if someone has a loved one who's just gone through something really challenging, you know, and it can be ranging any type of tragedy, losing a loved one, getting, it's something like losing a job can be a tragedy for some people. You right? bet. Oh, yeah. What, what advice would you give them so that they can be, maybe it's even there than that have gone through the hardship, but what advice would you give them? Well, I had somebody that just did that. Um, is my niece and her sister-in-law um, had a heart transplant and uh, it didn't take. So then she had a second heart transplant the next day. The next day she had a second heart transplant. And that one hasn't taken well, yeah. right? So they've been working with that heart for a couple of weeks. They were working for that uh, to improve that um, that foreign object into this body. Yeah. And um, boy, there was a lot of people praying for for that lady. And my niece um, um, was taking that pretty hard. Um, and then she died. Mm-hmm. She didn't make it through that. And she was 37 years old. Wow. And um, my niece, um, who loves me dearly and I love her dearly, uh, was having such a hard time dealing with that. And I told her that, um, and she she knows who God is. Um, um, I said, you have to rely on something stronger than yourself here. You know, you have to... You have to put this right on God's shoulders and say, I'm having a hard time dealing with this, Lord. And can you help me? Can you be there for me? And he will be, you know. And um, and her and I have had some conversations a few times. Um, so she knows she can always call me. And um, um, and I think just the support that she gets from her other friends and relatives is really important to her. And I tell her to reach out to them as well. And, um, um, and, and, and don't have idle time, you know, stay busy. Yeah. Um, and that things will get better. 
uh, in your life, and God will bring peace back to you and the rest of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a hard situation. That is really tough. When you're sharing these things with someone, when you're trying to comfort them, what, I mean, that's a burden on you too. You know, especially when you have so many people that you care for and you're comforting and you're really walking amidst the tragedy with these people, especially someone as close as a family member. How, how do you prevent yourself from feeling that burden, from being, and not necessarily feeling that burden, but, but being overwhelmed by it? Um, you know, I'll tell you something, John. Um, I have, I think I've been a pastor now for about almost three years. I've only felt overwhelmed once. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and when I walked into the church, Mark knew it right away. He could just see it on me. And he, and he knew what I was doing that week. Yeah. And he said, um, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and don't come back for a week, <laughs> you know. Yeah. He says, and go do something, anything, um, other than what you're doing. Yeah. He said, walk away from it and just go play golf or something. You yeah. Know? Um, you know, and um, and I, you know, I did take some quiet time, you know, and I did, I did take uh, some quiet walks by myself. My wife knew I was you know, a little disturbed too, but it, but, but thank God that that's only happened once. Yeah. And, uh, the situation, uh, that brought that on, um, I don't know that that'll happen again either, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, at least I pray that it won't. And, um, God just, I think he just takes care of me, John. I, I don't, I, I don't feel burdened. I don't feel overwhelmed. Um, I feel so privileged to be able to do what I'm doing. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't find, I don't find it to be a burden at all. Yeah. Hmm. Now I think that the two things that hit me from from that response, Dave, is is one, just the, when you do feel that that overwhelm, that burden, the ability to say it's okay for me to take some time, mm-hmm. it's okay for me to recover and not just try to push through. Mm-hmm. Um, but then two. It almost, I, I almost hear you saying that there's a mindset that you have when you're going into these situations. Um, one, partly that's, hey, I know God's going to be with me in doing this. And two, your frame is, um, for it, is not, this is an honor to do this. It's, sorry, your, fr- your mindset is, this is an honor to do this, it's a privilege to do this. Mm-hmm. It's not a have to. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I don't have to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm retired. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to. You know, the beautiful part about being retired. Yeah. But, um, no, God has chosen me to do this, and I'm so honored to be able to do that. Yeah. I can't tell you how I feel when I walk in this building right here. Yeah. Every single time I walk in here and talk to guys like you. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's... Um, it's at my late stage in life, I'm 72. Yeah. You know, um, to be so privileged to be able to do this, uh, I can't even express to you how amazing that is. Well, we're so 
unbelievably thankful that you are doing that. And I just know how many people have been blessed by you saying yes to God and saying, yes, God, please use me to, to be there for someone. And and so many people are going to hear our conversation and be blessed by it too. So, so yeah. thanks, Dave. You're welcome, John. Anytime. I'll hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs>